Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, EncounterChurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. All right. How many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? Amen. Well, for the last 12 weeks, they have forced me to sit. Um, I warned them the last two weeks that that was coming to an end. Um, For a while, Josh would come down and he would sit in a seat down here someplace, and I would stay seated and the camera stayed in one spot. Last two weeks, I've been itching to get up and get moving. So you've noticed the last couple weeks, I haven't quite stayed seated, and I probably will not this morning either, uh, maybe periodically. But want to jump into a brand new series. Uh, we changed course of action. We were going to stay in the book of James a little longer, and then I was going to go into another book study. But I really felt that now was the appropriate time for us to revisit who we are as a church. Now, it's been two years. In 2018, we went through a series called Who Are We? And we processed through our mission and our core values. But we've taken some time. In fact, in February of this year, we felt led by God to make a few adjustments to our mission and our core values. We simplified our mission a little bit, and we'll discuss that in detail today, but we gave purpose to our core values. You see, before, our core values were simply words, bullet point words that we laid out. They were great words, they were great ideas, but there was no drive or purpose behind them. So we've begun to work through that and give actual forward motion and meaning to each one of our core values. Over the next several weeks, we're going to process through them one at a time and help you and help me digest what they are and how it, how it relates to our lives, not only as a part of Encounter Church, but as a follower of Christ. I would encourage you during these next uh, several weeks, next seven weeks, in fact, to allow who we are as a church to run not only through our DNA, but become a part of your DNA as well. Oftentimes, we take time as a body, as a group of leaders, as the pastoral staff, to really look at what we're doing as a church, the activities that we do, the ministries that we have going on. And if a ministry, if we discover that a ministry doesn't quite line up with our mission, it's removed. Why do we do that? Because it's not who we are. That doesn't mean that they're bad things. It simply means it doesn't follow our mission as a church. It's not who God has called us to be. Now, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about opening up the building again today for two reasons. One, we get an opportunity to really digest who we are as a church, many of you, you're, I should say many of you are here, no, you all are here, um, but others are watching online this morning, and regardless where you are, online or in person, I would encourage you, really over the next few weeks, allow what we're talking about to be a part and, and to really sink in. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. But the other reason is because today is Pentecost 
Sunday. Now, for some of you in the room or those watching right now, that may not really make a lot of sense to you. It doesn't compute for you. You're not really sure what Pentecost Sunday is. Well, let me remind you of what Pentecost Sunday is. Pentecost Sunday commemorates the outpouring of the promised Holy Spirit. John the Baptist talked about it when he was introducing Jesus. He said, I baptize in water, but there's one coming after me that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Jesus made reference to it in John chapter 14, verse 26, in a section of scripture when he was talking about the infilling and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts chapter 2, we see the arrival of the Holy Spirit. If you remember, one of the last things that Jesus said before he ascended to heaven, he looked at his followers and he said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise. Now what was that promise? That promise was in fact the Holy Spirit. We refer to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as the day of Pentecost. Why am I telling you all of this? Because it aligns perfectly with who we are as a church. It aligns perfectly with our mission as a church. You see, we're not just called to have church. Let let me remind you of that. We're not called as believers, as Christians, just to come together once a week. But we are called to be the church. If you remember last fall, we went through a series that we literally called Be the Church. Why did we do that? Because we're trying to grab a hold of the idea that as a follower of Christ, it's more than coming in on a Sunday morning. It's more than watching online. It's more than just going to a life group. But it's truly being the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus Christ. We must learn to be the church, to passionately pursue the mission that God has set before us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said this, but you will receive power. Now that word power comes from the original word dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. This is explosive power. This is a a power that gives you an ability, a strength. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now look, why do we receive the power? We don't receive the power so we can be superheroes. That'd be pretty cool. I would love that. I don't know about you, but oftentimes growing up, I would have dreams that I could fly. Anybody else have dreams that you could do do weird things? Now, for me, when I dreamt that I could fly, if I remember right, I had to do something strange with my face. And when I did that, I took off. I don't know why I just told you that, but there there you have it. This, This power, this anointing, this special power that we're giving is not so that we can suddenly have super strength. It's not so that we can fly or run through walls or anything like that, we receive this power. Why? So that we can be witnesses. So that we can be the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus Christ. 
But you will receive power, dunamis power, dynamite power, explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me somewhere. Oh, everywhere. At work. Oh, they need Jesus. At Dollar Gentral. At the grocery store. In the neighborhood, at church, everywhere we go, we are called to be his witness. Now, right now, many of you are are wearing a mask when you're in public, and I fear that sometimes as a believer, we do much the same. Where did my mask go? You stole it. I know, but he took it away from me. Thanks. We put these masks on, spiritually speaking, and we hide behind that mask. No one can really tell what's going on behind this. But can I encourage you, spiritually speaking, remove the mask. Truly be who God has called you to be. Truly allow the very presence of who he is to be translated through your life to those around you. I heard the story one time, a little girl looked at mom and dad and said, they said in Sunday school that, that our God is a great big God. Is that right? And mom and dad are like, yeah, there's nothing greater than God. And she said, well, but I've been thinking about something. When we ask Jesus into our life, the Bible says he takes residence in us. Is that right? Yeah. Jesus comes to live inside of you. She said, if God is really that big and he comes to live inside of us, shouldn't he shine through? And I wonder, are we holding him back from being present to the world? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, as the assemblies of God, which that's who we are as a church, we believe in the fullness of of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the involvement of the Holy Spirit is a vital part of our lives, that that we aren't called just to uh, move on through life with just two-thirds of the Godhead. We're not called just to connect with God the Father and, and Jesus the Son. We're called to allow the Holy Spirit likewise to be a part of our lives each and every day. Now, how does this relate to our mission as a church. We've simplified our mission a little bit. It was to, excuse me, love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Jesus Christ. But here's what we've done with our mission. Our mission is to love, love God, love people. Reach, reach up, reach in, reach out. Empower, empower others to be disciples. We're going to dissect that this morning. I'm going to help you understand what this mission truly means today. So three parts of our mission. Number one is this. We must display love. We must display love. 
Now, the Bible tells me in Mark chapter 12, it says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Who was talking here? Jesus. Jesus was saying, out of all of the rules and regulations, out of all the commands, out of all the things that you've piled up of what you're supposed to do, here's the greatest thing. Love God, love people. Love God with all that you are. Jesus was very clear that the greatest commandment was simply loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So grab a hold of this, if you would, this morning. If Jesus says that loving God with all that we are and loving people with all that we are are the most important commandments, then doesn't it make sense that we should spend more time and more energy trying to understand and obey that commandment. Amen. I really thought with have people having people in the house, I wouldn't have to amen myself. If Jesus was pretty clear, and I believe he was, that we are called to love God with every morsel of our being, but we also must love one another. If he was clear that that's what we've got to do, shouldn't we spend more time figuring out what to do, how to do, when to do, why to do. Unfortunately, we get busy doing church that we miss the mark. Look what it, said, it says in 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us continue now bear with me a moment i want to read about 14 verses let us continue to love one another now think about that for a moment the word continue is there if the word continue is there then it is assumed that you're already doing it so by the way if you're not already loving people you better jump on the boat here you're going to be left at the dock because we're called as believers, we're called as Christians, we're called as followers of Christ to love one another. And here it says, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from, anybody know? God. God. Love doesn't come from hot dogs. Love doesn't come from wonderful relationships down here. Love doesn't come from material items that we can purchase. I don't know why hot dogs came to mind. <laughs> but love comes from God. Amen. About time I get somebody in this house saying amen. Welcome this morning, Abel. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Listen carefully. But anyone who does not love does not know God. God. Anyone who does not love. Can I just soapbox it here for a moment? Our world is in such unrest right now because of a lack of love. A lack of love. 
And the Bible says if we don't love, you can put your name in there. You can personalize that. Randall, if you don't love, guess what, buddy? Something's missing. It's not me, it's we. If we don't love, the Bible says, then God is missing from the morsel of who we are. For God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son, that's Jesus, into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. Look at that. Forgiveness is available to every single one of us. The Bible says if we just confess our sins, if we just admit to him, God, I've messed up. He's faithful to forgive us, to cleanse us of all the wrong that we've done. Verse 11 says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Since God loved us so much to send Jesus to die on a cross while we were still being stupid, right? Surely we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought into full expression. Remove the mask and let God shine through. And God has given his spirit as proof that we live in him and he is in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Are you grabbing a hold of this? In other words, as we spend more time in the presence of God, as we allow who he is to pour into who we are, suddenly our love begins to grow. Suddenly that person that once was irritable isn't quite as irritable. Yet they may be irritable still, but we're able to tolerate. Right? By the way, a lot of this is not in my notes. This is just inspiration this morning. All right, as we live, so, so we will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Are you living like Jesus? Just asking the question. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels or casts out all fear. If we are afraid, it is for the fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. Now, here it is. If someone says, I love God. Let me ask in this room this morning. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you would say, I love God? Okay, you can raise your hand if you want. How many of you would say you hate your brother? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) If someone says, I love God, but hates his Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see here, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. The more we know God, the more we begin to love him. And the more that we love him, 
the more we become like him. I want to repeat that this morning. The more we know God, the more we begin to love him. The more that we love him, the more we become like him. So it all starts with our love for God. So why do we love God? Well, we just read it a few moments ago. We love because he first loved us. Now, our love must be a two-part love. It's a love for God and a love for others. It's not enough to love God but hate others. In fact, we just read it. John says that if we love God but hate our neighbor, we're a liar. We cannot separate God and love. Why? Because God, by definition, is love. If you've been around here very long, you've heard me say that many, many times. We cannot separate our relationship with God and say, I love God, and then turn around and say, but I hate that person over there. That does not work. It does not work. If we are to become more like him, then our love must begin to increase. Now, Romans chapter 12 says, don't just pretend to love others. Now, we're real good at that. Oh, here's another mask. That one's not working this time. Put this one on. Oh, so good to see you. While on the inside, we're thinking, I can't believe you're here. I'm just, I'm just telling you this morning, that doesn't work. Because God sees the heart. God's not impressed by our religious games. He's not impressed by our charades that we play. He's looking at our heart this morning. Are you really displaying who Christ is? We are his representatives. We must display Christ. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Now, in 2012, in 2012, in the fall, we sat down as a body of believers, and we, we started discovering who we were as a church. Angie and I had only been here a, a very short time, and in the course of that conversation that night, there were just a handful of people in a section right over here, and a topic that continued to arise was the topic of love, and I will never forget one of our young kids our kids' church kids, they're now graduate of high school, but a kids' church kid said this. It said, we need to be a warm church. I don't know if those of you that were here that day, if you remember that, but I began to press in, what are you talking about? We need to be a warm church. Is it cold in here? We need to crank the heat up. What are you talking about? And I knew what she was getting at, but I wanted to hear her say it. She said, we need to be a place where people feel loved and accepted a place where anyone can feel a part of what's going on around here now does that mean that we approve of everyone's behavior that everyone's choice is okay no we just read it hate what is wrong sin is still sin no matter how you dress it up no matter what you make it look like no matter how many times you paint the exterior sin is still sin we may not approve of their life choices, but we can love them in Jesus Christ. The changing of their life, that's where God steps in. See, I can't change you, and, and you can't change the person down the way. 
Some of you know that firsthand. You've been married for many years. Have you ever been able to change your spouse? Anybody? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Anyone? No, not a single one of us have ever been able to change our spouse, nor have they been able to change us. Likewise, I can't change you and you can't change me. It's only the power of God reaching in. So we are called to simply love, to reach, and to empower them over and over in the Bible. It says that we are to love one another, to love our neighbors, to love our enemies, to love those that persecute us. To love just as God has loved. In other words, let love be a driving force behind all that we do. Part number two, we must learn to reach. Would you say that with me? We must learn to reach. Part one was we must display love. Part two, we must learn to reach. Now, I put that word learn in there purposely because learning or reaching is not always natural. It's something we must spend time doing, investing in. We must learn to reach. Way too often we're satisfied simply to stay where we are. But we must learn to reach out. Now, if you notice on the onset, as we began to talk about the mission, this portion of the mission was divided into three subcategories. Reach up reach in, and reach out. What does that mean? That's what I want to talk about. I want to break that down just a little bit. Reach up. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God is saying, when you really begin to press in, in other words, when you begin to reach up, when you begin to reach beyond yourself, when you begin to really press in, you will find me only when you seek with all your heart. We were created for a connection with God. My pastor growing up, he used to always say that every single one of us was created with a God-shaped void in our lives that only he could fill. Now, as a church, or more specifically, as a believer, as a Christian, it is vital that we allow God to take the lead in our lives. This has been a topic of conversation for several weeks on and off. We are not created to maneuver life on our own, but to allow God to lead us where He wants us to be. We need the guidance of God Almighty. Now, if you will simply seek Him, the Bible says that if you seek Him and you live right, there's a wonderful promise on the backside. Let me lay it out for you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above some things. Right? Oh, all things. Seek the kingdom of God above all things and live righteously and he will give you everything you need now i hear some of you i uh, see that word righteously pastor and i'm a little i'm a little concerned because i'm not sure that i can i'm not i'm not sure that i'm righteous enough i'm not sure that i'm good enough i'm not sure that i can do enough good by the way you're not saved by how good you are 
You're saved by how great he is. Because of the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary, really it has very little to do at all with you. All you have to say is, I've messed up, help! So how do we come to this place of living righteously? Well, first off, the moment you give your life to Christ, suddenly you are seen through the eyes of Jesus. You are covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. Suddenly, no longer are your sins there, but they've been cast as far as the east is from the west. Suddenly, you're on a brand new path. But how do we come to that place of of, of becoming more and more like him? I believe it happens because we desire to draw close to him. And as we draw close to him, the Bible says in return, he will draw close to us. The closer he comes to you, the more like him you will become. Suddenly, your thoughts fall in line with his thoughts. Suddenly, your desires fall in line with his desires. Suddenly, you're walking around with a little bit more integrity. Suddenly, you're walking around doing a few more right things. Suddenly, you're more like who he is. And somebody's trying to call me. Don't they know that I'm preaching? (laughs) And it won't hang up. How? It's a 1-800 number. I can't talk right now. I'm preaching. All right. I just told them I couldn't talk. I was preaching. Okay. Where was I? So we begin to walk more like him. We begin to be more like him. Why? Because we're making the connection with the plans that he created for us so long ago. Jeremiah 29, 11 reminds us that the plans that he has for us are good plans. Not plans of destruction, not plans of defeat, not plans of death, but plans of hope and a future. Why not begin to reach up today? Why not begin this morning in this service right here and right now to allow reaching up to be a regular part of your life? Number two, reach in. 2 Corinthians says this, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you failed the test of genuine faith. One translation says, if you fail the test, then do something about it. If you fail the test, do something about it. That's what it means by reach in. The change has to happen on the inside before it can ever be translated to the outside. There's got to be an adjustment deep within sight of us before it can ever really shine free to the outside, before you can truly completely reach out, before you can ever get to the third stage of reach. It's vital that we begin to reach up and reach in and make the changes that are needed to be made. Number three, reach out. I love Ecclesiastes chapter four. It says this, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I want you to understand something. We need one another. Look around this room. Every single one of you need one another. I was talking to a guy in line the other day. I was at the license bureau uh, renewing my license. Then pray for those folks. Man, those lines right now are crazy. Uh, pray for those that are working inside the license bureau. What a, what a tough job that would be right now. 
But I was in line with this guy, and I'm, I'm talking to him about church. Surprise! And, and I'm inviting him to, to come to church and be a part of what's happening here. And he begins to share with me, well, I believe that you can pray at home, and I believe that you can do things at home, and you can read the Bible, and you don't need one another. And I said, well, here's the deal. We need one another. We need the encouragement. We need the strength. We need the, the prodding along. We need to invest. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another man. There are going to be times, guess what, when someone in this room is going to stumble. There may be times when you fall flat on your face. That's not the time for the rest of us to go, oh, look, they're down. Boom. No, but that's time for us to reach down and, and give them a helping hand with six-foot distancing. No, we need one another. We need to be that source of encouragement with one another. This is where outreach comes into play. This is where ministry endeavors take root. This is where mission trips come out. But I want you to know that that's not it. That's not all of it. There's so much more. You have an opportunity every single day to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. I wonder, are you taking advantage of the opportunities that God lays before you? We're called to reach up and reach in and, and reach out. To reach those around us, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. To lift our voice, to be, to be who he wants us to be. Our Sunday morning services are geared in such a way that you can bring your unchurched friends. Our Sunday morning services are geared in a way that you can bring your unsaved friends. This is a great opportunity to share the love of God, to reach out to them. Every event that we do, everything we do is an opportunity to reach out. We simply want to get outside of our four walls so that we can make a difference in this world. Here's the deal. We want our community, and not only Sedalia, but our surrounding communities, to look at Encounter Church and see not a cool church, not an impressive building, but a people that love Jesus. A people that want to be used for the kingdom of God. A people that want to represent Him in all that we say and all that we do. We want nothing more than those outside of these walls to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We must aim to make a positive impact for Jesus Christ. Now listen carefully. Not just when we're together but we individually are the church. You are the church. You are the church. And you are the church. And you are the church. Every one of us are the church. So when we're out in the public, when we're out doing our daily activities, those are opportunities to reach out to those around us. Let me ask this. If Encounter Church suddenly ceased to exist, we close the doors, would it make a difference in Sedalia and the surrounding communities? I would believe it would. But let me ask this, how about you? If you suddenly ceased to exist, tomorrow morning occurs and you're not present, 
is you're going to be a void for the kingdom of God. Will it make any difference? See, we're called to reach up, to reach in, and to reach out. And part number three, we must purposely empower others. Andy, go ahead, buddy. We must purposely empower others. Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. The basic mission of every believer. Listen carefully. The basic mission of every believer, not just the pastor, is to do all that we can to empower people. According to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, my responsibility is not to do all the work. My responsibility is to equip you to do the work. I was reading a book by Francis Chan, and I want to read a little excerpt out of it. Letters to the Church is the name of the book. And in the book, Francis is talking about this section of Scripture, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And then he makes this statement, and I was like, man. He said, we have to stop viewing church leaders as people who minister to us. God clearly explained their role. It was not to coddle you, but to equip you. Think personal trainer, not massage therapist. And I read that while I was sitting on the couch last night. I was like, man, how true that is. As a Christian, what we do is, oh, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. When really what we're supposed to do is Let me feed you. Let me feed you. Let me feed you. Let me help you. Let me love you. Let me correct you. Let me lead you. Let me guide you. We've got to purposely empower others. We've got to look for opportunities. Now the word empower by definition is this. Give someone the authority or power to do something. Or make someone stronger and more confident. That's what God wants each and every one of us to do. He wants us to help people to grow in their confidence with Him. Ephesians chapter 3 says this. Because of Christ our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Because of Christ and our faith in Him, are you sharing that faith with someone else? Are you encouraging someone else so now they can come boldly into the presence of God? Are you ready? to be the church that God's called us to be, to stop just existing as a Christian, to begin to function in the fullness of your calling, to love, to reach, to empower as God has planned for us so long ago. If so, it's time to draw a line in the sand. It's time to refuse to go backwards. 
But from this day forward, storm the gates of hell to conquer this world for the kingdom of God. That's our mission. That's what we're all about. That's why Encounter Church exists. And I challenge you today, allow that to run to the core of who you are as well. Let God use you to love, to love Him, to love others. To reach, to reach up, to reach in and make the adjustments, to reach out and impact those around you. To empower, to empower others to be disciples or followers of Jesus Christ. It takes us all. Not a single one of us can do it by ourselves. But all of us together, all of us together can do it. Would you pray with me today? Before I pray, there's a couple questions, and we won't have an altar call like normal, but I do want to pray with you. You're here this morning, and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I want to ask him to come in to forgive me, to be my Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you today to do that. And I want to pray with you on your um, cell phone or device there. You have an opportunity to fill out a, a card, a decision card. You can do that later. But if you're here this morning, you say, I need Jesus in my life. I want to ask him to forgive me. Would you raise your hand? I won't embarrass you. I won't call you forward this morning. I just want to pray with you. Is that you? Okay. With that, I believe that everyone has given their life to Christ. Number two, you're here today and you say, Pastor, from this point on, I want to begin to move forward in life with mission. I want to begin to make an impact for the kingdom of God. I need his help. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yes, I got hands going up all across the house. Let me pray with you today. God, I pray for every person well, that's acknowledging that they can't do this on their own, but they need your help. Lord, as we embrace the mission that you have set before us, Lord, I pray for those that are in the house today. I pray for those that are online right now, Lord, that you will strengthen us, that you will help us, Lord, that you will give us boldness. Lord, if we haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, give us that dunamis power. Lord, speak across this place. Speak across the internet. Speak into homes, into offices right now, God. Lord, change us today. Lord, make us brand new in you. In Jesus' name we pray.